0: This is from Justin McCain, a podcast where Mike Robertson and Bob Ru watch one critically acclaimed film and one terrible film and talk about how they are the same.
1: Hey everybody i'm mike robertson and i'm bob larue and this is from justin decain yeah yeah
0: um so we take two films one which is arguably one of the greatest films ever made and another which is arguably one of the worst films ever made that also did a terrible version of what's the song
1: uh that's the way i i like it (laughs) Uh uh uh-huh yeah
0: and they uh they butcher it
1: and they butcher it yeah
0: And we take these two films, and we try to figure out all the links and similarities between them.
1: Yeah, so it's not necessarily about taking uh, a bad movie and making fun of it, because Lord knows that's been done before, especially in podcast form. Oh, oh yeah. You know, maybe there's something redeeming about a bad movie, uh, and the only way that you can actually really find that is by contrasting it with something that's...
0: A cinematic Just masterpiece. A cinematic masterpiece. The best film ever made. Yeah, so Citizen Kane is the best film ever made.
1: Yeah. So for the first episode, we're doing Citizen Kane.
0: And from Justin to Kelly, that's right. Um, they're they're different. They are running very time different. very different. Yeah. Um,
1: they feel the same length, even though <laughs> Citizen Kane is much longer.
0: Yeah, uh, longer by a quarter. Yes, it's a quarter longer than from Justin to Kelly, and it yes. is. No, it's yeah, yeah. It is a quarter, thirty minutes longer. Yeah.
1: It's got less editing, but the pace is a lot quicker.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's because one is a good story and one is a bad story. Yes. Well, let's get into it. So what's the deal with Citizen Kane, Mike? What's What what are your thoughts on Citizen Kane?
1: I hadn't seen it in a couple of years. Yeah. The last time I saw it, I was like kind of mixed on it. I was like, this movie is not all it's cracked up to be. I watched it again this morning. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, wait, this movie is great. This is like truly deserves to be one of the greatest films ever because it does so many things well mm-hmm. and it is really fun to watch. Character exploration is great and just all of the formal techniques that they apply are really cool. Apply and invent. And invent, yeah. yeah. Especially, I think that's also why it's so great is because it's, it's like taking so many things that we all take for granted now. Yeah. But you're getting to see it. In uh, in the 1940s, which yeah. is, like, not when they were doing stuff like that. And From Justin
0: to Kelly does utilize some techniques that are I'm innovated sure. in Citizen Kane.
1: That's correct, yes.
0: To a much less impact, to a worse impact.
1: Yeah, should we just explore Citizen Kane first? Yeah. In context, and then do... Let's contextualize it,
0: talk about what we like, and yeah, just g- give it enough background so that as we reference it, people are like, that's what they're talking about. Yeah. Um. All right, so... Citizen Kane, uh, Orson Welles' first directorial debut after an astonishing career in the theater and radio. Yes, uh, first came into prominence uh, as a a magician as a child. Oh wow! He was a magician. I think he messed around in the circus for a while, and then he got into theater. He started the Mercury Players, and he was just like considered a, like a really avant-garde dude, like very forward-thinking. Took a lot of risks. Did a lot of crazy stuff. And uh, he scared the shit out of the world when he did H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds on the radio. Yes. And there were headlines in the newspaper that said, aliens are actually attacking Earth. Um, which turned out to not be true, and he had to make like a public apology and stuff. But he was a household name at that point. Um, and Hollywood wanted to get in on that. So he went to Hollywood when he was 24 years old in 1939. When Citizen Kane came out,
1: 1941,
0: right? 1941, yes. He was 26. Oh, my God. He he, he was 26 years old when the greatest film ever made came out.
1: And it was made by someone who's, like, nowadays would be, you know, just maybe getting out of university and still going on trips, not knowing where they are in their life kind of thing. Yeah, it would
0: be made by somebody who backpacks in Thailand for six weeks. Yeah. Uh, And then when you ask them, what was the best part of your trip? They're like, I don't remember any of it because I was intoxicated the whole time. Yes. Um,
1: Yeah, yeah, but Little Orson made uh, the greatest film ever in American history.
0: Yeah, and it was his first, like, stab at it. Like, he had never made a film. He wrote it with Bernard Mankiewicz, who was an established screenwriter, but they co-wrote it together. Um, And apparently, he got the first draft from Bernard Mankiewicz, who wrote it on his back because he broke his leg in Mexico. And so he wrote a, over a 200-page screenplay, gave it to Orson. I'm saying his first name like I know him. He gave it to Orson, and then... old Orse? old Orse. Young Orse. Lil' Orse, you know. Lil' Orse. Lil' Orse. Just sounds like I'm saying Lil' Horse.
1: Should I become a rapper named Lil' Orson? Uh,
0: yes. And then yes people absolutely. Will be like,
1: and then people will be like, why are you Lil' Orson? It's he's like, well, because you got to have Lil' because you're a rapper. I'm an Orson because I'm like the Citizen Kane of rap. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, that's beautiful. I Thank love you. that. I can't wait to see your first music video. Thank you. I hope it's black and white, and it's about a media tycoon. Anywho, so he got the script. And as like a guy who's never written a screenplay, he went through and he just like slashed through. There's huge blocks of uh, text, a lot of like paragraphs or monologues. And he would just slash through and write single word phrases or just put in an expression. And so they did that a few times, and then that ended up being script. But it was Bernard Mankiewicz's idea to attack the very not attack, but depict in a fictional but also extremely factual way. Hearst, God, what's his name? William Randolph Hearst. William Randolph Hearst, who at the time was in the top ten of the richest people in the world. He owned a newspaper network that was it went one in five Americans was reading his newspaper. Yes, in nineteen in the late thirties, so. That's astonishing. That's a huge percentage. And he built his version of Xanadu. Yeah, He had a like, it was called the Hearst Mansion, Hearst Family Mansion. And it was like a huge secluded place. He, in fact, had an affair with an actor who was good. She was a comedian. I forget her name. She was a comedian and a singer. She was actually good, but he financed a lot of her roles in films. um, And they loved each other. And he ended up, having his first marriage fail because of this affair. And then they stayed together and he ended up dying in this mansion with her. And they lived a very secluded life. So that's like one major similarity between the two. Um, and also, there are lines of dialogue in the film that were straight out of his mouth. Like in the beginning of the film, there's a reference to Cuba or somewhere. Yeah. And there's no war. And the the writer's like, there's no war here. And he's like, you provide the photos, I'll provide the war. Yeah, And so Orson Wells and... Mankiewicz rewrote it and said, you provide the prose and I'll provide the war. Um, So that's like straight out of his mouth. He said that. That's nuts. He lied constantly with his headlines. He used crazy, crazy, uh, non-factual, fictitious articles to get major circulation, and it worked. Mm -hmm. And that's how he built his empire. And then he ended up dipping his toes in a lot of businesses, I believe. Um, And then later, when the film came out, uh, he personally tried to... uh, Well, he sued the production... He sued RKO. He tried to cancel the film. He refused any advertising in any of his papers. And Louis B. Mayer, who is good friends mm-hmm. with uh, Hearst, went up to Schaefer, was the head of RKO, and said, I will buy your film for $800,000, which was roughly the budget of the film. Buy it just to burn all the negatives so that it would be eradicated from history. Um, but at that point, Orson Welles had already... He had a lot of influential friends, and he made them all watch it and all write about it, so the public opinion was pretty high of the film when it came out. And it ended up like financially making money, not a lot, nominated yeah. for nine Oscars, won Best Screenplay, lost everything else, and it was yeah. booed at the Oscars. Yes, People hated it. It was a very contentious film just because of his subject matter. And one really rich white dude was like, this is mean. I don't like being looked at like this. And so he tried to use all of his influence and power to get rid of it, and it didn't work. It didn't work. It worked while he was alive. Because the film basically, like, dissolved into obscurity and nobody heard of it. Oh, yeah. And then he died in 51. And then in the late 50s, um, with television coming into prominence, um, all of RKO's films were sold to Turner or somebody, some TV network. And so it started playing on television. And it immediately became a phenomenon again, 20 years later. So that's pretty cool. And so Orson Welles did get the last laugh, even though he... Was like uh, like a fat, jaded <laughs> filmmaker who a like sad
1: bastard by the end of it all.
0: Yeah, and really, truly couldn't make any anything. Yeah, tried to make Don Quixote, failed. He tried to do the Scottish play. I think he made it, but it wasn't very good. You can say the name. We're not in a theater. Uh, yeah. Okay. He tried to make Macbeth. Uh, <gasps> oh my you god! Mike, are you alive? Did you
1: hear that? I think something <laughs> fell. <laughs>
0: um, and like it, yeah. He got the last laugh. But anyways, he he had a weird life too. Yes, oh, and yes. died in isolation, kind of like Cain. Yes.
1: Yeah. Uh, also, the film explores the idea of the yellow papers. You know what yellow papers are? No. Yellow papers was a or yellow journalism. Yellow journalism. What's that? It is a f- basically sensationalistic journalism. Right. Be- uh, yeah, I think Joseph Pulitzer, the guy who created the Pulitzer Prize, yeah, uh, basically was also responsible for a thing called yellow journalism, which or which was uh yeah sensationalistic journalism, uh, because they do, they just needed to like get people to subscribe to stuff,
0: right, so they'd write anything just to grab attention,
1: yeah, yellow journalism is an interesting thing because citizen Kane explores it because that's what he eventually starts trying to do.
0: yeah, that's how he makes money, that's, that's how he, how he, he became money, the most yeah. circulated paper in the country,
1: but it's interesting because people who win the Pulitzer Prize. We see them as somebody who is who has some sort of like integrity. Integrity
0: artists and they're like honest.
1: Yeah, but Joseph Pulitzer and yellow journalism was, was like the a opposite schlock. of that. Yeah,
0: he was like a schlocky liar who's like yeah. would exploit the medium and lie just to get readers. Yeah, he did it just for the point of being read instead of the actual subject of the piece. Like, We're in a,
1: in the age of the internet. We're in
0: uh, a new age of yellow journalism. Yeah, I think, where because, there's just like so much bullshit.
1: Yeah, so many people rewrite articles because they were posted on the internet. Yeah. So you, you'll you put up a crazy headline and then fact check it afterwards. Yeah. So Citizen Kane is a very interesting story about movies. Would you say that the film itself, what do you think about it? About Citizen Kane? Yeah.
0: I love it. The first time I saw it, I was like, this is boring. But I saw it when I was 11. Yes. And it was, I didn't like it.
1: And then- Dare uh, I say you were not the key demo?
0: I, I, I wasn't even on their map. I wasn't even in their radar. I was like, an 11-year-old kid in like 2000- Eight, Yeah. Eh, I don't know if that math works out. Anyways. Orson
1: Welles was like, you know what? I think this movie is really going to pop with tweens in 2011.
0: <laughs> yeah. Millennials are going to love this movie. Yeah. And it turns out uh, some do. Some do love it. I've yeah. watched it four times and it's amazing. Uh, I've read articles and and you know a lot of like the the lists of the greatest films ever yeah. made. It's often number 1 or it's in the top 5 and that makes sense. I think those lists are unnecessary. Yes. They don't really mean anything. Um but if you're going to rank it it's definitely great.
1: I would put it in the top 10. Yeah. I don't necessarily want to watch it every day. No. I would I would more want to watch Dumb and Dumber every day. Yeah. I would yeah, I would watch Dumb and Dumber It's hard every to day, watch. It requires work though. Citizen Kane? Yeah. yeah. Like
0: like it's an artful film there's so much to it. Yeah. There's so much material in it. There's so much meat to just, yeah. like, get into. And you can look at it technically. You can look at it from a story standpoint. You can look at it thematically. You can look at it from, like, a socio-cultural context. Mm-hmm. All of it, there's so many things you can read into and really, like, dissect the film. Dumb and Dumber is just fun.
1: It is fun, yeah. So Citizen
0: Kane's not fun, but it's, oh, I would yeah. say, rewarding. Dumb and Dumber is not rewarding. And you know what else isn't rewarding? From Justin A. Kelly. That's right. So... That's not a similarity between these two movies, but we're going to get to the similarities, I swear.
1: Yes, we will. But would yeah. you say that Citizen Kane is the Citizen Kane of movies? Yes, I would. It's like worth the title of being called the Citizen Kane of films?
0: Yeah, it holds up. It really does. I think when you tell people like this movie is so good, you're going to love this movie, and they see it, it's it's good. Yeah. You know when you overhype something and they're like, eh? This film is truly a masterpiece. Uh, should we get into it from Justin to Kelly? I think yes. we contextualize the shit out of oh, Citizen I think, Kane.
1: I think we did a pretty good job. You did, did a lot of research, it sounds like.
0: I, I did, and I could just keep whipping it out, but I'm not going to. By whipping it out, I mean talking about the film.
1: Well, <laughs> <laughs> I did not as much research. Believe it or not, there's not as much <laughs> history of that film out there as there is for Citizen Kane. There's not as much uh, academic <laughs> writing on it, believe it or not. So, a little bit of history, a little bit of history on the old, <laughs> from Justin to Kelly. Yes. So, uh, let me take you back to 1996-ish. Uh, a man named Simon Fuller created the Spice Girls. <laughs> and they hit, you know, popularity in two- 1997. How popular were they? I, they were super popular. Cool,
0: cool. Yeah. So, he he knew what he was doing.
1: He knew what he was doing. Kind of started like a trend of just like... Pop stars that were interesting, I guess, the Spice Girls were. Yeah. Like they were, there was something unique about them, and something interesting about it. Cause everybody had a different, you know, Spice Girl that they could relate to. Mm-hmm. Just like the Babysitter's Club. Yeah. Just like everybody had a babysitter that they related to. Spice Girls were kind of the same thing. Yeah. Uh, so a cool for, way of looking at it. Yeah. So for whatever reason, he took this idea of just like the most relatable, interesting uh, pop star and then created American Idol. Which you could say is either the more relatable because they're regular people, mm-hmm. or arguably they're just more disposable and forgettable. Which
0: I think I, you, you can be both simultaneously, and I that show so. uh, uses that.
1: And I think from Justin and Kelly ex- definitely explores that. Yeah, because it's almost like presenting Justin and Kelly as a two sides of a spectrum. Because you have from Justin to Kelly. Yeah. And I'm making like a spectrum thing with my hands here.
0: Yeah, yeah, it make it, yeah, it's cool. It's horizontal spectrum,
1: a horizontal spectrum. So you have disposable and forgettable. That's Justin. Yeah, and then you have you know relatable and has some degree of integrity, which is Kelly.
0: Yeah, and Kelly is the only character in the film who even mentions. Misogyny, Yes. Because the film is riddled with it. Oh, yeah. She brings it up, and then she kind of gets over it real quick.
1: Oh, she gets over it She gets over
0: it as soon as the boy she likes is like, I'm, I'm interested. And she's yeah. like, oh, it's fine. I'll put whipped cream on me. Yeah. She doesn't do that. She, she puts whipped that. cream on him. But still, the point is the same.
1: So anyway, Simon Fuller created American Idol, and then the first winner of American Idol was Kelly Clarkson. Mm-hmm. And the second place guy, <laughs> the official <laughs> term, was uh, Justin Grurini. Guarini. Guarini? Yeah. And uh, so part of the deal with being on that show and winning was they signed a contract where they had to make this movie. Like, they could not get out of it.
0: Yeah. If you won, if you, you were obligated legally yeah. to make this film.
1: So she didn't sign the contract until she won. Like, it wasn't like oh. when you sign on to be a part of the show. It wasn't like, if you win, you have to do this. Right. She signed the contract after she found out she won. Oh. So she had a crossroads where she could have been like, you know what? I won the competition, but I'm not going to be an American Idol, whatever that means. Yeah. I think the idea was that they. I didn't watch any of American Idol since the first season. Really? Yeah. I really didn't care.
0: Wow. I watched the back two-thirds.
1: Oh, wow. Consecutively. <laughs> the back nine? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How Honestly, was, yeah. I was the back nine of American Idol.
0: It was uh, astonishing, but the judges, changing up the judges was frustrating. Oh, yeah. Ellen was a bad judge.
1: Yes. The best judges Harry were Jr. the originals. Jr. didn't like them.
0: Yeah, the originals were good. And the shtick was there. Yeah. They were all different forms of clown. They all had a, a thing you could like expect, and yeah. then it, they were constantly just punchlines.
1: Yeah, it was great. Yeah,
0: and then you get new people, and you're like, okay, Keith Urban. What's your deal, Keith Urban? <laughs> Boring? Aren't you busy touring? Why do you got 15 months to make this TV show? God damn it. He, He's a master at his craft. Anyways.
1: So Kelly Clarkson and Justin Guarini were forced to make this film because yeah. they wanted to get all the perks that came with being an American Idol, which I guess was like recording an album and you know, and they pay for everything. You don't have to worry about it. It was like a
0: million dollar record deal, wasn't it?
1: It was, pretty, yeah, I don't it was a round number. They chose I didn't a pretty do number. that much re- research on American Idol. Right. More but but ju-
0: just just to clarify, like you only actually win if you sign this contract. If you don't sign this, you're not officially the winner. No. Why did they sign the contract? Uh because <laughs> they were young. Yeah, they were yeah, it's true. And they probably they're like, You're gonna make a movie. That's very exciting and you don't know it's gonna be trash. The script for sure wasn't written yet.
1: Although uh I did read an interview with Kelly Clarkson, she did say she Knew that it was going to be bad. Oh well. She was like, she knew it was going to be bad, but she was like, well, the only way to be American Idol is to sign this, so I'll do it. And also, you know, you never know. American Idol was a huge thing back then. People copied it, it got a lot of sponsorships and stuff. Everybody was watching it. It was like the most watched show on TV. Yeah. It was more just like the yeah regular person kind of becomes a star.
0: The, The the every person.
1: Yeah, the every person.
0: It's a great way to make reality television.
1: Yeah, because it's really relatable and then you like invest in that person's story from the beginning to the end.
0: And interestingly, that's sort of like part of the American dream is this like glamorized you start off in rags and then you get to riches because you have something that other people don't have. Yeah. And I would argue Citizen Kane sort of explores that because <laughs> I would
1: uh, say that that's definitely the story of Citizen Kane. Yeah,
0: yeah, okay, it doesn't kind of, it, it explores that entirely. It deals with extreme wealth. And you, once you win the American dream, once you succeed, you have nothing. Yes. And at the end of From Justin to Kelly, what do they have?
1: They have everything that they thought they they didn't know that they wanted, really.
0: Where are they going to be in 30 years, though? What are you saying? I don't think they're going to last.
1: Oh, of course not.
0: Yeah, they're going to break up in six months. They're in the honeymoon phase. And then as soon as they like start going grocery shopping together, shit will hit the fan.
1: The whole movie is predicated on them... The audience is interested in whether or not this relationship works out, but the Mm -hmm. relationship we know from the start is going to be a long distance relationship. Yeah. So I was like, that's definitely not going to work out. (laughs) I didn't even think about that, but that's absolutely true. They live in different cities. They live in different cities. Different states. Different states is a long distance relationship in, like, during spring break in Florida. Yeah. That's not going to work. No. Yeah
0: they're they're doomed
1: it's like vapid from the start but we're not here to trash from this <laughs> and Kelly we're here to redeem it yeah. in some way one other thing the film this was an interesting tidbit I learned the film was uh, going to be released but everybody thought it was going to bomb before it <laughs> came out yeah uh, the studios and the theaters uh, and so the, tw- the 20th Century Fox was like we're going to move the release date of the DVD up because that's where all the money is yeah to like six weeks after the theatrical release. Mm-hmm. And then the movie theaters were like, no, you can't do that. Otherwise, we're not showing your movie. So they threatened to not show it in theaters. And so they backed
0: up, right? They, and they Yeah, like, and so
1: they were just like, well, we'll move them the release date of the DVD back. But then the movie bombed, and then 20th Century Fox just moved the DVD release back up. <laughs> <laughs> and then it came out six weeks later, and then I'm sure it made all of its money back. It did also, it was $12 million budget, and the film only made for... 0.9 billion. In the box office? In the box office, which is like, <laughs> that's not a huge gap. Like, they say it's a bomb because they spent 12 and they only made 5. Yeah. If we're talking about just like under $20 million, you can easily make that $5 million back somehow. Like DVDs.
0: Oh, yeah. You, you can make it back. And I'm sure like poster sales. And I bet you kids loved the film. Like, parents would buy it for their children. Yeah. You know when you, like, that film you love as a kid and then you watch it when you turn like 28 and you're like, this is... Like Master of Disguise. I love that as a kid. Yeah. I rewatched it, and it is horrible. Yes. Um, that's, that's my from Justin Kelly. I'm a turtle.
1: I'm a turtle. <laughs> also, he does a Shrek impression in that. What? Yeah, I gotta he rewatch does. it now. He does like a Mike Myers impression of Shrek. Oh, he's like, oh, the kids best lo- you kids love this stuff. And then he just goes, donkey. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a weird, and he's not dressed up as Shrek because he's the Master of Disguise. It's like an impression that he does out of costume.
0: Weird. That's that, that, that was that. that was just a wink to Mike Myers. Like, hey, buddy, I'm thinking about you. Yeah.
1: Although that <laughs> they were rivals at that time, I supposedly. Really? Yeah. They kind of had a falling out.
0: Mm. Well, that's comedy for you. Yeah. Serious business.
1: Oh, one more fact about this movie. Yep. Like, I'm not painting a beautiful picture of it. One more fa- fact I want to say: it's a movie that is entirely like a cash grab from American Idol's popularity, a TV show about singers. And the movie is a musical featuring some, you know, arguably very talented singers. But the album for the movie was never released. <laughs> they never released a soundtrack for it.
0: And that's because they ruined
1: what song? That's, that's the, way the way I like I it. I like it. Uh-huh, uh-huh, in brackets. Yeah.
0: There's only five songs? There's only like five it would be songs. It an EP, not even an album.
1: There's only five songs, and Justin and Kelly don't sing really most of them.
0: No most of it's the like uh the extras they all yeah. sing. Yeah. Or songs where like there's 12 characters all walking on a beach and they all sing. Yeah. It's and weird. it doesn't make a whole lot of sense.
1: But I figured that if you were going to make a movie that's a musical based on an, a cash grab, yeah. That you'd at least release the album because like that's probably where you're going to make all the money. Yeah. And at that time soundtracks were still a thing. Nowadays oh. soundtracks the last soundtrack that charted was Suicide Squad. It used to be that soundtracks were like a surefire way to like hit the charts, you know. Like the they Titanic used to make soundtrack. movies
0: just based on the soundtrack. Yeah, that's like kind of how Tarantino got started. Kinda, yeah. That helped with financing uh, Reservoir Dogs was the record deal because they couldn't afford all the songs. Yeah, and right. then and then MCA, I think it was MCA, was like, well, if we get to sell it as an album, we'll give you the songs. Yeah, and then it like sold like hotcakes.
1: Also, one thing you you get you pointed out the awards that Susan Kane won. Yeah. I want to point out the awards that this film won. (laughs) Oh, wonderful. (laughs) Uh, I'm not going to go into the Raspberry Awards because that's a lot. I will say that the film did actually not win any Teen Choice Awards. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But it was nominated for Choice Movie Breakout Stars.
0: Okay, that's a given.
1: uh, For Guarini and Clarkson. And uh, also Choice Chemistry, which I would disagree with. But they, no, they Timona didn't win had, the award, they were just nominated.
0: You know has chemistry? Is uh Carlos and um, Kaya. Kaya. They they have nice chemistry.
1: So if you haven't seen the film, which I assume you haven't, <laughs> Carlos and Kaya are both two side characters who have They're a less love story. than supporting characters. They're less than supporting characters, but they have a love story that has more emotional impact and I guess scenes. Than <laughs> yeah. Justin and Kelly's. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, they they like outnumber in every single way. And they're more interesting to watch and they actually affect you. Yeah. And they are the the least important characters. It also explores speaking.
1: socioeconomic problems. Yeah, because America. everyone
0: is uh you know like wealthy and like white and and just having fun and young. And then Carlos is, is a busboy at a restaurant. And then yeah. Kaya meets Carlos. Um and then she inadvertently gets him fired from a job because they want to go on a date and his boss is like, "You have to work tonight," and she's like, "No way! We're, we have a date tonight. He's busy." And he's like, "Oh, that's I totally understand. Um, don't come in tonight, and don't come in any other night because you're fired." And walks away. He also looks like Orson Welles. Just that's the first similarity. I think we'll we'll, we'll bridge yes um, between these two wonderful films. Carlos explains to Kaya that you know some people need to work. And that you have to work. And so he's sort of, he's the only hint at reality in the film. Yeah. Because in every scene, they're at a restaurant eating food or drinking, like spending a shit ton of money. And then in this scene, he's like, I'm broke. I need to work or, or I'm I'm screwed. Like, it's not easy for me. Whereas every other character doesn't even have to think about economic stuff. It's just handed to them.
1: Yes. And that is a theme that it shares with Susan Kane. Yeah. Because Susan Kane also kind of explores the rags to riches idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or just the contrast between being out of touch and rich, uh, having to just like be poor. Yeah,
0: they they both tackle a pretty serious and important subject, which is cool.
1: Um. Okay. Well, let's get into like the really start breaking down similarities between the two films okay. and what one film brought to the other. I assume most of the time, Citizen Kane, because it is a great film. Is going to bring a lot to, from Justin to Kelly, and also and chron- chronologically
0: speaking, it would make no sense for from Justin to Kelly to influence Citizen Kane because one was made seventy years before the other. That's right. Yeah, let's let's get into similarities. So um, I'll, I'll I'll start. This one's a real stretch. Uh, there are a few. There's a lot of pools in <laughs> from Justin to Kelly. Yes, and there's a character who wears um, a, a dumb hat, and there's a shot of Kane Charles Foster Kane sitting by the pool in his Xanadu mansion wearing a similarly dumb hat. Um, That's the first one. That's the first similarity. Um, What you got, Mike?
1: Uh, Well, I think it's interesting you bring up Xanadu. Xanadu being the big castle that, uh, or mansion or whatever, that Citizen Kane lives in. Mm -hmm. Well, and from Justin to Kelly, there is a sandcastle which looks remarkably like the shots of Xanadu, and it's like super elaborate super huge kind of almost way too detailed yeah and it looks just like the like the place that he lives in and it's like why is that castle there because it just comes out of nowhere and it takes up so much of the shot
0: yeah so much of the shot but just for a moment it's yes. like a pan and it like the emphasis well to I think they're singing in that shot yeah I think' so. or like it's it's a emotionally it's important and then they just like do this weird. Two-thirds of the frame is occupied by this sandcastle that yeah. is so intricate, so tall, and looks like the opening shot of Kane, almost.
1: Also, another thing about Xanadu is... Uh, Xanadu, believe it or not, is located in Florida. What? And you know where the fun happens in this? In, in, from Justin and Kelly, it happens in Florida. Get out. In fact, the news on the March thing in Susan Kane refers to Xanadu as a pleasure dome in Florida.
0: There's a phrase in From Justin to Kelly about being the mayor of spring break or the mayor of fun. The, the, mayor, mayor of- the
1: mayor of spring break. Is That's what they call Justin from Justin to Kelly. This right. is another similarity which I found really interesting. Mm-hmm. Early in the film, in Citizen Kane, there's a classic scene where uh, basically somebody sings to Kane about how great he is. And it's just like, he has a name. It's a name it's known across the land. His name is Kane. You know, the yeah. they parody in The Simpsons, that one scene? Yeah. Mr. Burns. <laughs> so if somebody sings a song to Kane about himself yeah. and how great he is. Early in from Justin to Kelly, when you first meet the characters, I don't remember the name of his douchey friend. There's a guy with frosted tips who you immediately know who he is because he's such a jerk. But he's played for laughs, even though that character, mm-hmm. he would probably stab you while drunk <laughs> <laughs> like on a Friday night. Yeah, for sure. He raps at Justin about Justin being the mayor of Spring Break. Yeah. So two very similar opening scenes where you kind of get to see that character. You get to see their influence, I guess, that they wield uh, through song. One
0: scene with a girl who's like, give me that wristband. I want to get to that sick party you're hosting. And then she, like, kisses him on the cheek and then grabs it.
1: And then then he has to run away Beatles style, like Hard Day's Night. Because girls love him. Because girls just want... His wristbands, I guess. But yeah. I don't want to dwell on how bad this film is. <laughs> that's it's an, so hard not to. That's an easy to. thing to do. Yeah,
0: absolutely. No, no. This is a fun challenge.
1: Well, I think we can explore the idea of Citizen Kane. Kane himself is like a figure mm-hmm. who's important. Yeah. Uh, who gets into politics. As does, as does. As does Justin. Justin, because he's the mayor of... <laughs> of of, of uh, Spring Break. <laughs> of Spring Break. Yeah. And, so,
0: and they both, um, because of their position have difficulty with personal relationships. That's correct. Kane uh, loses his first wife um, and his political career to a, a, a woman who he has an affair with. And with Justin, he has difficulties getting with Kelly because of his position as, since he's the mayor of Spring Break, he runs events like the Whipped Cream Contest yeah. where he just whipped creams uh, women, yeah. which is, you know, bad news, and, and Kelly understandably doesn't like it. Yes, Um so so that puts a strain on their relationship and so his position in that society really makes having really close friends difficult and also Kane just doesn't have friends. It does display like what your position and what your power can do negatively to you. They yes. both depict this. What's interesting also is the the beginning of the film both protagonists start from like a small town setting. Like Kane lives in Colorado with his parents at a boarding house that his mom runs. Yes. Uh, and then inherits money and is taken away by the financial guy. Yep. Kelly's in a small town in Texas. Um, she's very like old school. She's a server. She wants to be a singer, but then they never address that ever again. Yeah. Um, and then she goes to the big city, which is Florida, I guess. It's hard because she doesn't change, <laughs> but she does change. She says goodbye to her past. She says goodbye to the small town vibe, and she gets into spring break.
1: She's instantly corrupted as soon as she meets Justin. Immediately. Holy shit, this is it. Kane gets
0: corrupted and so does she. That's what I'm saying, yeah. Holy
1: shit. She starts off as like, I'm a singer and I'm a feminist and I hate objectification of women. She keeps talking about being objectified. Yeah. Uh, And then as soon as she gets to spring break.
0: And she stops addressing those important issues and immediately is just like boy obsessed with Justin.
1: Because in Kane, it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. He's not a singer, but he's a child. Yeah his microphone is his sled. Yeah. And Rose he button. wants Yeah, nice, <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, but he he meets
0: the financial guy and is immediately sucked into this new world. And Kane and the uh, every male character except for Carlos, um they all are like playboys or just about getting laid and having lots of sex and just having fun and not being owned by anyone and monogamy is totally not cool and young Kane is like that. He's he's a party boy.
1: Getting back on track to the thing about Her personal rosebud, yes, being her singing career or the microphone or whatever the hell, yeah, I said earlier. Would you say that the burning moment where they burn it uh, in from Justin to Kelly is the very last scene when they're doing that dance to that's the way, uh huh, uh huh, I like it, and they (laughs) burn that song down by (laughs) singing it in a terrible way? Any other similarities that you found?
0: I, I have two. So there's a sense of entrepreneurship in the in both films. So Kane, uh, for obvious reasons, he uh, garners a lot of wealth at an early age, and then he ends up uh, selling a lot of businesses. He he starts, he takes over the Enquirer, and he, because of his entrepreneurial spirit and drive, he is able to be- become like one of the most circulated news moguls in America. Yeah, and with from Justin to Kelly, um, Justin and his gang use a similar means of um, information sharing. They print on paper, yeah. and then they hand it out to people.
1: And sometimes those flyers are yellow.
0: Yeah, some so, yeah. sometimes they're yellow, sometimes they're blue.
1: Also, if you're a paper boy in, mm-hmm. in, in the 40s, when you go around handing out papers, you shout the headlines at people. That's yeah. the thing that they do in Citizen Kane. There's a scene where... Characters are just shouting headlines, um,
0: and and in from Justin and Kelly, Justin and his gang, they scream out the text on the flyers that they make. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's there is similarity.
1: He starts out doing that, and then he becomes corrupted by his power. Yeah, he can't see relationships for what they are. I would say that these movies, based on what we've talked about so far, are nearly identical films. <laughs> Another interesting thing about these two movies is that. They're both people from other worlds kind of coming into cinema. Person oh, Wells was like he's, yeah. a, he's a film or he was a th- a theater guy mm-hmm. who like was top of his game in theater. Uh and then he went and made a movie and it had a big impact. And same thing could be said about Kelly Clarkson. She was the person who made a big impact on television and singing. Mm-hmm. And then she came in to a movie and I guess Arguably made a big impact.
0: I just have to say this, but Nat King Cole is the pianist in El Rancho.
1: Oh! Isn't that cool? Yeah, that's cool. That's
0: goddamn crazy. There's, I mean, this is obvious, but there's singing in both films.
1: There's singing in both films.
0: Arguably, a similar number of musical numbers in both films. (laughs) One is labeled as a musical, the other a drama. Yes. Um, In Citizen Kane, there is uh, when when that song about Kane is sung in The Inquirer, when he meets his uh, lover, who he or his mistress Susan, Susan, um, she sings for him, and then she sings at the opera where her like she fails. And there's a fourth one I can't recall.
1: Um, singing lessons.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, singing lessons is the other scene. So, so those all have like full numbers, and then in, from Justin and Kelly, there's like five.
1: There's like four or five numbers, yeah. Yeah. It's like not enough. There's a point in the middle where you're just like, is this a musical? It wasn't even tasteful. Yeah.
0: You know, and it's like, oh, it's so tasteful. Like, only this many songs. Like, why aren't there more songs?
1: Also, uh, the meta narrative of From Justin to Kelly is similar to the actual narrative of uh, the last half of Citizen Kane because Citizen Kane's relationship with Susan is not too different from Simon Fuller's relationship with Kelly.
0: Absolutely, and and bombed. They and both bombed. bombed. Yeah, yeah. Both forced a a, a, a person, a, a woman, to do a huge, outlandish musical production. Both failing dismally and costing a lot of money and being really unsuccessful. And he said something about the reviews of, um, the reviews of that show and Kane. Were, oh yeah, the were reviews. comparable to the reviews of the film itself. Yeah. from Justin and Kelly in two thousand three.
1: It's Susan Alexander a pretty but hopelessly incompetent
0: amateur last night opened the new Chicago opera house in a performance of her singing
1: happily is no concern of this department of her acting it is absolutely impossible to <laughs>
0: Cover acting, it is absolutely impossible to say anything except that in the opinion of this reviewer, it represents a new low. Have you got that, Mr. Bernstein, in the opinion of this reviewer? I didn't see that. It isn't here, Mr. Bernstein. I'm dictating well, Mr. Kane, I... Get me a typewriter. Oh, an- another one. So Citizen Kane was innovative. So, um, Toland, Greg Toland, I believe is his name. He was the director of photography on the film. And he was innovative in that, with like Orson Welles's input, was innovative in new angles and depth of field with how to shoot the film. Uh, a lot of the times it's three-point lighting and um, shallow focus, so there's a clear focus. And so with this film, they didn't do three-point lighting all the time. They sometimes had chiaroscuro lighting and uh, a, a moody lighting, and sometimes the primary character uh, wasn't lit. And and a secondary one would be and just really unconventional and so the and also the the important thing the comparable thing is that the angles were really low and that ceilings were introduced in shots uh, for the first time basically uh, for the entirety of the film and because of that um, uh, uh, that that really revolutionized what angles could do and what depth could do and how staging and proportion could affect how a story is told and so in from Justin to Kelly there's a dance sequence with. Alexa, was, well, she's waiting for Justin because she wants to, you know, hook, hook up with him. So she goes to this club, uh, and she has a whole music number that has absolutely nothing to do with anything.
1: Yeah, as but as one does when you're waiting, what else are you going to do <laughs> but just yeah. to they just didn't have, sing a pointless song?
0: Yeah, they didn't have cell phones with internet access at the time. Oh, I just imagine. The word web was used all the time. Yeah, Web profile. email. Uh, but for Citizen Kane, there were a lot of low angles and deep focus and mo- intricate uh, camera movements in dance sequences and we see this a lot in from Justin and Kelly, That some musical numbers have really intricate steady cam and crane shots which is yeah. shocking cuz it's it's a bad movie but yeah. but like technically there's some impressive stuff and yes. um the sequence with Alexa in the nightclub is all low angle with the ceiling in every shot almost every shot yeah. as she does this whole number um with a chorus of dancers behind her and that could be seen like in the inquirer scene when they um uh, get all of the Chronicle staff to join and they do that party, the The angles and the way it's shot is very similar. Yes. And and there's a, a scene with specific staging and proportion and depth where Justin is in the foreground, Kelly is in the background, and they're both singing about each other and they don't know that they're five feet apart. Yeah. Uh, and that's a, just like a really good cinematic technique and it took skill to stage that, yes. frankly. And so Citizen Kane is riddled with that. Like every yeah. every scene is uh articulately blocked yeah so that you could watch the film without sound you probably know who's in charge and who feels about what like yeah. how people feel
1: sometimes a little bit on the nose i would say there's a scene near the it, end where yeah he's fighting with susan before she leaves him for good and they're facing each other yeah but then in the foreground is a porcelain doll who is facing and looking at kane the exact same way that she is yeah uh, and that's in the foreground, so great use of foreground, but also a little bit on the nose, I'd say.
0: Yeah, a little little too easy for a yeah. film studies person yeah. who's like, I'm going to write an academic paper on this.
1: Although I do got to say, the just the snow globe thing mm-hmm. is just brilliant in this film. It's very on the nose, but it's just so good. Yeah. Just like the scene, because he's always looking in the snow globe, and you're like, what does the snow globe even like mean? Yeah. But then the scene when his parents are signing Kane over to the rich guy, Thatcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, And in the background, they really make a specific point of framing Little Kane in the frame. And the the snow is coming down. It looks like a little square snow globe. Very effective. It's beautiful. Yeah. Just a great use of just showing stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: yeah, And, like, great staging.
1: Both films have a very, very professional workman-like kind of crew. Yeah. Just, like, at the top of their game, making doing the best that they can to make this thing work and from justin to kelly actually has some very very dynamic like staging uh also just the way that characters move in the frame like uh in citizen kane there's a lot of shots where someone will start at the very very back of the frame yeah uh and then they'll come right towards like the the foreground
0: yeah and, and uh, the opposite being in the foreground moving to the back
1: yeah and then from justin to kelly there's a lot of very similar shots like, yeah it's not just like shot counter shot the entire time characters are always moving uh, in the frame somehow. There's yeah. like a lot of theatricality to it, which is something you don't really see in movies nowadays. Yeah, absolutely. So, so and uh, so it's like a very professionally w-
0: well-made movie. And speaking of the theatrical, Orson Welles came from theater mm-hmm. and, and radio, and so they they're like C- Citizen Kane has a lot of shots that are uh, blocked as if it were a theatrical play. So yeah. so that's why like the blocking is so crucial. Instead of just doing close-ups and and uh, faces. It's about where you are in the frame, just like when you're watching a a stage play. And with, um, from Justin and Kelly, again, that scene with Alexa, there are like stage lights, um, very intricate blocking, and they utilize a huge set um, in a very theatrical way for that entire number. And there's like source lights in the frame that are like stage lights. Um, And again, from a technical side, like there's really cool lighting in, cool, unique lighting in. Citizen Kane, and there are a few shots in from Justin to Kelly, where they wrap, uh, palm palm trees, palm trees, not palm pom <laughs> trees, <laughs> uh, palm trees in twinkle lights, yeah, uh, just to make the background more dynamic. Yeah, it really it's like really gives effective a sense of depth. So like, it gives year. you shape, depth, definition.
1: Yeah, yeah. Way to go, whoever like. It's a great fucking idea. Some LX that.
0: dude was like, let's wrap these trees. that will look great. And it, it, your work did not go unnoticed by us too.
1: Yeah, that yeah, I appreciated that. That's the thing with this project; kind of makes you like appreciate the good things about mm-hmm. something that's terrible. It's very easy to just get on a on a, a microphone and just rip into a bad movie. Not a bandwagon,
0: like, and it's it's also easy to take like the room and be like, "This is why it's bad." That spoon thing—that's hilarious. Ooh, yeah. Who would fucking do that? The sex scenes, you know, like yeah.
1: what's interesting about the storytelling in Citizen Kane is that you get a sense of the character, but it's told through the perspective of all these different characters. Mm-hmm. They're essentially being interviewed. It's almost like a documentary in a weird way. Yeah. Uh, but when you're watching the story segments that like happen right after somebody starts talking about Citizen Kane, and you're like, well, Citizen Kane did this in a... And they call him Citizen Kane always. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Citizen Kane did this when he was you know trying to get his wife in the opera house or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and then we show that segment of the story. When you're watching those parts, you forget that that you're watching somebody's perspective of the situation, Mm -hmm. which is interesting because they all all of the stories kind of give the same idea of the man. Nobody is giving you a different perspective of who he is. Mm -hmm. I guess the point is, is just like you're actually watching different perspectives. So it would have been more interesting if you got to see Citizen Kane act differently based on other people's perspectives in kind of like a... was that movie? Ra- Rashomon? Rashomon,
0: yeah. yeah. Kira Kurosawa.
1: Yeah. So, uh, but how that ties into From Justin to Kelly is you think that the movie is about Justin and Kelly because they are the characters on the title. Yeah. They're the, c- they're the celebrities from American Idol. But then... The film inexplicably spends more time with the side characters who aren't the, the people in the title.
0: It's almost an even split, which is weird. Like, narratively and screen time-wise, it's an even split. It's an ensemble piece. Yeah, it is. Truly, it plays like an ensemble piece, even though it's the name of it is are, are, are the two title characters.
1: But they're all kind of similar binaries of just, like, a man and a woman. Mm-hmm. But they're essentially, I think, just exploring different perspectives, not unlike Citizen Kane, of a person. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So it's exploring, you know, the, the the two characters, Kaya and Carlos, they're exploring like the socioeconomic things of finding love. Yeah. And the uh, other character, what's her name? Alexa. Yeah. And I guess just, <laughs> 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 just a different perspective on, I don't know, how to communicate in a relationship normally. Yeah. Yeah. And then Justin and Kelly just exploring some idea of destiny and fate like you're supposed to you're fated to either end up with this person or you're fated to end up a certain point in your life kind of thing yeah, yeah. Uh, So that's how those two things <laughs>
0: <worked>. <laughs> That was great. That was hard work. Was it? I just
1: yeah. made that up right now. I,
0: I know, but I could see you were it was like watching you run uphill.
1: yeah that was, well, that was effort. I do know that if you're telling a story about in an ensemble you kind of like show different versions of the same idea with a different ensemble characters.
0: Th- thematically there needs to be a centerpiece or center idea or question that's addressed by every character, but with different facets, approaches and lenses.
1: Yeah. And I think from Justin to Kelly actually does that.
0: They Absolutely. So, so like, yeah. And from Justin to Kelly, it's, it's nothing to do with like an, an individual, yeah. but it's more to do with ideas. Yeah. And citizen Kane does that, but on the periphery, but the central question is like, who is Kane to all of these people? Yeah. It's about the orbits around Kane. Like all these people have different feelings about him. Whereas in from Justin to Kelly, it's it's about love, relationships, youth, um, and and uh
1: uh ha- having a good time. Well both movies are about the quest for youth. That's true. That's no, true. You go to the spring break because you're just you gotta just YOLO, you know?
0: They're also not students. They're not students. I now. don't think they're <laughs> post secondary students.
1: <laughs> no, they're just creepy like <laughs>
0: You know, nobody guess, talks about post-secondary in that film.
1: Whoa, I just realized the the age of the characters probably is the, in from Justin and Kelly is probably the age that Orson Welles was when he made Citizen Kane.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: Cuz they all look to be that old and they all yeah. act like that old. They never really talk about school. Mhm. It's spring. So Kelly's not in school, she's working in a bar. Yeah. Trying to sing or whatever.
0: This 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 one is um i I like this one so rosebud every every story every moment the film is so intricate with citizen kane and how they address rosebud and have it be it's it's present but you don't know it's there until the end and you're like oh shit the toboggan is in so many of those stories Mm -hmm. the idea is in so many of those stories kane is playing with that toboggan in that scene and it says rosebud but nobody knows that, including Thatcher. And so Thatcher's the second person interviewed, and he's like, I don't know. I don't know what it is. But he was there. Like, he's always on the periphery, and a lot of these characters are on the periphery of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, his second wife doesn't know what it is, but she was in the house where that toboggan was. And with um, the, the the guy in, from Justin to Kelly, who is, like, the, the nerdy dude who gets a sunburn on the beach because he's trying to look handsome for his date, He the the, the, the his arc is... He just got broken up by his girlfriend what uh, by a year ago, mm-hmm. and he's still not over it. But he's chatting with this girl online for a year, and they're yeah. going to meet in Florida during spring break. She's hunting for him the entire film. Yeah, she there's so many shots where she walks by him, or his head is down, or he's turned, and they don't see each other. Yeah, and so for her, he is the rosebud, and and so so the the, the similarity there is that both. Both films deal with searching and being so close yet so far. Yeah. And then it, you and, and it takes the entire duration of the film to actually reach it.
1: Also in Citizen Kane those characters who are looking for Rosebud, uh-huh. they're always filmed with uh in blackness. Like the, you never really see their faces most of the time. Right. They're always kind of have their face obscured in some way. Interesting. Which is a very cool technique. They do it in the movie theater scene right at the beginning after they watch the newsreel Yeah. and then at the very end when they're looking through the the, all the stuff, mm-hmm. they're just like walking through, and somehow they light it so that you don't see their faces. Yeah. And it's so cool. It really is. Uh, and then from Justin to Kelly, every time you see that character, she's always in the background and she's blurred out. So it's not the same technique, but they obscure the character's face enough so that you don't like maintain a connection mm-hmm. and you know that it's not about that character. It's about the search for whatever they're looking for. Yeah. Absolutely. So both masterful uses of that technique. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Masterful. Yeah. I think we really got into thematic and like cinematic Story, and yeah. formal kind of things. Yeah. Uh, but like just in general, there's some very strange coincidences. Throughout the film, you occasionally will see Kane wearing like a an item of clothing with a giant K on it. Yeah. And his gates have a giant K on it. Yep. And in from Justin to Kelly, both Kelly and Kaya both are wearing a K on their chest at some point, not unlike Kane. Yeah. Kelly, kind of Kelly has
0: an embroidered shirt with K on it. Um, and then with Kaya, she has a necklace with K on it. Yeah.
1: Um, both films are about baby-faced people. Yeah. Yeah. Like Kelly Clarkson and uh, and Orson Welles are both people with round heads. They have <laughs> baby faces. Yeah. yeah. Like you, you look at Orson Welles sometimes during the movie, especially once he starts going bald, you're like, dude is a giant baby. <laughs> yeah. And Kelly Clarkson kind of like looks like a baby sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So that's like a very superficial connection between the two yes. of
0: In Kane, are there a lot of montages of just locations?
1: Uh, there's a lot of, there's a montage of Xanadu where you get to see all the stuff. It has an octopus. Oh,
0: you know what? Yeah, that's right. So there's an opening montage of Xanadu and there's an opening montage of Florida.
1: Yes. And, oh, yeah, you're right.
0: Uh, yeah. And both... With
1: interspersed text also. Yeah. Because one of those a credit sequence and one is just like a newsreel.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So so, so that's that's another similarity. Yeah. Text over Florida. Yeah. Hey, they both have that. Yeah. They both have text over Florida. Really, really cool. Very cool. Yeah, really, really cool. There's large bodies of water in both films. That's right. There's
1: a lot of large bodies of water. Yeah. There's also an interesting scene in Citizen Kane where you see him in the newsreel standing beside Hitler. Oh, Oh, yeah. Which is kind of like jarring because this came out in 1941. (laughs) So World War II hadn't even ended yet. It just kind of started. It was
0: still starting and like America might have just entered the war. Yeah. December 7th. No, this film probably came out. Before December seventh, nineteen forty one. Yeah. Uh but that that being said, like that's on the on the pulse.
1: They knew what like, was up.
0: On the nose, yeah.
1: Which is kind of what makes this movie very timely, is because we see a lot of similarities between Donald Trump and Citizen Kane. Absolutely. Uh also the modern age now of journalism. Yeah. And then also just like a popular, powerful figure. And his ties to Nazism or racism or whatever you want to call and, it. And nowadays. also
0: a, a, a mogul entering politics.
1: But the connection between the Hitler thing and from Justin to Kelly <laughs> yeah. is that there is a deleted scene <laughs> where Hitler is dancing with them in one of the cut dance numbers.
0: Yeah, one of the extras is dressed as Hitler. It's weird. It's
1: jarring. Yes.
0: Full Nazi regalia. He's he's. Decked out in a Nazi uniform, dancing in the background on the Florida beaches.
1: And they are just they're just singing ninety-nine Luft balloons.
0: <laughs> 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 yeah, you know, the classic. Yeah. The seminal classic. But you know,
1: and rightfully so, they cut that scene out of the film.
0: They cut it out, but on the D V D they released, and the soundtrack they never released. You can you have access to yes. both both of those.
1: Oh yeah. And it's 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 crazy because that guy who it's played... all, they sing it all in German, and it's mostly Hitler who does like the <laughs> he does the solo like they don't even let Kelly like really touch the song, which is weird
0: yeah which makes from a PR standpoint makes sense <laughs> but uh, uh, it was interesting watching the interview with that actor on James Lipton's inside the actor's studio yeah because he talked about how creatively it made no sense. <laughs> tubes lifted ash he said it's a very bold and daring decision to include a historical figure like adolf hitler in a film that was about nothing yeah and uh the actor admitted to not understanding why the screenwriter and the director and the producers and simon fuller decided to put Hitler in from Justin to Kelly, I don't know. Yeah. It's it's as out of the blue as that shot in Citizen Kane is. I know it really it's was jarring. The, it, yeah, really, it's it's shocking, and they're both done very photo realistically. Yeah, yeah. That shot they optically printed Kane with old Hitler footage, and it looks so realistic. Yeah, and like the Hitler makeup and the costume, and from Justin to Kelly was really good. Yeah.
1: Big yeah. spot on. But you can only find that scene on like a DVD. Like a, on the, not
0: not on YouTube. On the
1: DVD. So you can't find it on YouTube, so don't bother looking. Yeah,
0: it's it's not there. And then also... There, there are some, no articles on it because people are too ashamed. Yeah,
1: people are too ashamed. And 20th then,
0: Century Fox got rid of every written... It's probably going to take down this podcast.
1: Yeah, but I have the one DVD Yeah, so. that, 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 that has it on it. Because most DVDs, you just put it in the, and it doesn't even give you a menu. No. That's how cheap they were. Yeah.
0: But yeah. It's, it, it's real. It's real. It's a real thing. <laughs> honestly after talking to you about from Justin to Kelly I appreciate it more yeah. technically speaking
1: oh yeah just from a technical well, like, standpoint it's a better the more film research than... I
0: do on like what lighting gaffers and grips do they did a phenomenal fucking job on from Justin to Kelly yeah the camera department was pretty good
1: yeah they were really like they were going above nothing. and beyond and they didn't have a lot of time to do it no and they really like knocked it out of the park yeah So that
0: IOTC Florida division did a phenomenal job. All the technicians involved. Yeah, they should be very
1: proud. Yeah, most other people involved in the movie probably (laughs) the the creative
0: individuals, like the writer, producers, director. Frankly, the performers. They 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 know what they did.
1: Oh well, one thing that you mentioned earlier that you're this is kind of reminding me of is uh, just the idea that cinema as an object. Remember you were saying that?
0: Yeah, what's really interesting, this might be a fun thing to do with every episode, but what's interesting is both both on DVD. If they're side by side, one DVD is a coveted object that one wants to possess and the other is literally garbage. Yeah. Literally, your impulse is I should throw this out it's a piece of shit. And that's because what's in the DVD is what gives it its worth. Yeah. They're both the same pl- piece of plastic. They they both are of the same value, but the content is what really gives it its meaning. And one is one is a possession to have, yeah. and the other is in a, in a landfill, or people are using them as frisbees,
1: yeah, or coasters.
0: Coast, yeah, that's true, that's true.
1: But interesting that a group of people can use the same tools, mm-hmm. same language, same language, better technology, better one, better technology, yeah, and not do a better job than Citizen Kane. Nope. Like, the, uh, that's what I always find interesting. I watched Psycho recently. Yeah. It's such a well-made, perfectly crafted movie. Yeah. And it was made low budget. You know, It was made for
0: just under a million dollars out of uh, Alfred Hitchcock's pocket. Yeah. And it was fast and dirty and black and white, yeah, but which is uh, astonishing, because that was the first black and white film he had made in, like,
1: 20 years. But that movie exists, and it is such a perfect example of how to make a great horror film. Yeah. And... People are not learning from it, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. yeah, in fact, they're, they're not learning from it so much
0: that some people made an exact replica of the film, and it's horrible and with it's Vince bad. Bond. Yeah. yeah. And also three sequels.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, that's true, yeah.
0: Yeah, and they're all just bad.
1: Yeah, so it's interesting that like a movie like Citizen Kane exists, and people are not just constantly learning from this movie, and like... Not trying to, like, rip it off or emulate it in in a way, but cracking the code of why it works so well and just, like, applying that to what they're doing.
0: But some filmmakers do. Like, Scorsese is a a total movie nut. And he watches them, he dissects them, and uh, that really, like, that, that has influenced his filmmaking. And he's done some pretty cool creative stuff. And other filmmakers have the exact same resources, and they just don't do it right. Yeah. They do a horrible job. You can have more resources, uh, arguably more money. Maybe mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what the inflation is on eight hundred thousand dollars in nineteen forty-one to uh, two thousand three. Could but, be way more, but it might be way more than fifteen million dollars. But like from Justin to Kelly it was like roughly fifteen or like thirteen million or something. Yeah. Um, and I mean, they shot on a like a canal. Yeah. Just the locations cool. department would have had to work so hard. Yeah. They blocked off beaches. It was, and the whole movie was on location. I bet. Yeah. Which is really expensive, too. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the thesis of this podcast is um, how, how can people have the, the exact same resources, techniques, language, and do such polarizing, different films? Yeah. <laughs> and, and also, like, the, the um, intention. I think ultimately what it is that affects a film is the intention in which it's made. Why is yeah. it being made? Orson Welles wanted to make art. Yes. He wanted to make a commentary and a critical film on what he thought was bad. Yeah. And and he, he did. And From Justin to Kelly was exploitive, opportunistic, and yeah. uh, uh, quick and dirty. It's just and, cynical. And, it and And really cynical. Yeah. And it was a bunch of rich people who were already rich wanting to get richer. Yeah. And they thought it would work. And then it yeah. didn't. From Justin to Kelly is a great example of why not to make a film. And Citizen Kane is an example of why to make a film. Yes. And the outcomes are were the exact same. Both films bombed. Yes. We're dismal failures.
1: Very interesting that you can have something. In fact, I think the reason why a movie like From Justin to Kelly was made and not a movie like Citizen Kane in the wake of American Idol (laughs) was because they were like, well, we're more likely to make a lot of money, which is our goal, if we make a cynical, formulaic, kind of cash-grabby movie versus something that has an actual story arc, actual characters, a point – yeah, but I think that's a story with movies nowadays. All over the like for you, the you, most part, absolutely yeah. more yeah. people will go to see like a Marvel movie than yeah. something else because it's just like, well, this is as cynical, cash grabby as it gets. Yeah, it's just like a three-hour-long movie where you just going to see all of your favorite characters. But they're making money. But they're making so much money. So it's then- weird
0: because from Justin to Kelly it was sort of the beginning of that because like the early two thousands, there wasn't that huge um, previously written um, creative property. model that is now implemented by every major studio and it failed yet now it works because like all the marvel movies like whether they're good or bad they all make a a lot of money they like globally speaking they the box office is really intense yeah yeah i I think we've we've covered it i think what's 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 the conclusion what's the closing here mike
1: i don't know because i don't want to redeem from justin to kelly just because i watched it after citizen kane and i found some things that it did similar. No. Because it's not good. It's a
0: bad film. It's abysmal. Yeah.
1: And I definitely don't think that it added anything to Citizen Kane as a film. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> like it didn't just make from me a timeline
0: it. standpoint, it added nothing.
1: And it didn't take away also. No. Like by seeing a bad movie, you got to also see what makes a a good movie bad. That doesn't make any sense.
0: No, it actually added to Citizen it Kane. Because actua- yeah, you're like, Oh, Citizen these Kane. exact same techniques can be so impactful yeah. and powerful, yet This thing is shit.
1: But did you enjoy the watching of both films?
0: I did. I did. I saw them both today, and it was fun. Yeah. It was fun juxtaposing them just in time, like seeing one film and then an hour later watching the other one and being like, wow. Yeah. Watching two movies in one day and having one be dreadful and the other powerful and enchanting is really cool.
1: Also, I found watching them in the same way really interesting because I was trying to I was really just trying to like pick apart Susan Kane. I was really paying attention to the story, the themes, the framing, mm-hmm. just all of the different elements that make a movie great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was watching, from Justin to Kelly, a movie that most people would just put on and really turn their brain off. I was watching with my brain fully turned on.
0: With, with an academic with lens.
1: A, trying to pick it apart, trying to figure out what works, what doesn't work.
0: And the beauty of that is it, it doesn't mean you're hypercritical because you, 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 you also find good things.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of good things. Yeah. Would you say that From Justin to Kelly is the Citizen Kane of movies? (laughs)
0: Absolutely not. I would say it is almost the opposite.
1: Would you say it's the From Justin to Kelly of movies? Yes.
0: Okay. It is exactly where it should be because of what it is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I would have actually liked if From Justin to Kelly was structured similarly to Citizen Kane. Yeah. Where you get to see her as she gets old and then she dies and stuff. And you get to see the actual life of that character. Yeah. Instead of just like the weird spring break subplot that the movie spent its entire running time on. Yeah. Because really that's a subplot. They're not gonna fall in love. They're not gonna be together forever. They didn't learn anything from their relationship. They didn't do anything. So for us to see, you know, meet some people and then dies in what she learned, mm-hmm. that would have been a great film.
0: Absolutely. That would I'll, have been the I movie I would have wanted to see. The a Citizen Kane esque film, like a character piece that's non-linear and critical of power, but on Simon Fuller would be really cool.
1: That would be cool, yeah.
0: That would be phenomenal.
1: Okay. Well, thank you very much for listening to the, the podcast. Yeah. Uh, this
0: was so the first there are no episode. sponsors. There's no sponsors. Yeah. We we're doing this pro bono.
1: Wear me undies if you want. <laughs> uh, used that post service that they sometimes advertise. Yeah. And if you want to order food from... <laughs> like a food company in the States and have it mailed to you, do that. <laughs> I can't remember the name of that one. It's so a I'm not blue, gonna... blue Apron. Oh, Blue Apron, yeah. yeah. So if you want that, sure, go for it.
0: <laughs> yeah, Blue Blue Apron and Squarespace are
1: wonderful services.
0: This has been From Justin to Kane, episode one with Mike Robertson and Pablo Rue.
1: And the next episode...
0: Is going to be on? Any ideas?
1: I don't know yet. Well, we'll we'll figure it out. Yeah. But the next episode will still be, the show will still be called From Justin to Kane. Yeah, for forever. Forever. definitely. But not all episodes will be about those two movies, <laughs> We're going to
0: analyze another wonderful film and a not-so-wonderful film. Yeah. And we will find what makes them the same.
1: All right. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, we have some social media that you can follow us on. From Justin to Kane. With a number two on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. So give us a follow. And also send us a message. Send us a message on Twitter. Yeah. Via tweet. Slide can... into our DMs on Instagram. hmm And, you know, comment on Letterboxd, I guess. Or send us an email. Or send us an email at from JustinTucane at gmail.com.
0: With a T O, not a number two. That's right. Yeah. So from Yeah, Justin we have a tu- Gmail account now.
1: Well, we that was the first thing. We needed the Gmail account to get the other things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it all adds up. But you're not wrong. We yeah. do have it now. Yeah, so feel free to we email us. We will read them. We will read any lo- fan mail.
0: Yep. We love the fans. Lots of lots of of fans. Lots, yeah. of,
1: lots of canies out there.
0: Yeah, and remember, we have merch.
1: We do have merch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you will just have to find on the internet where to buy it.
0: <laughs> It'll soon pop up on our Instagram. We'll, we'll take photos of our merch and... Show you that
1: it exists. It's just shirts and like old clothes from me and Bob that we're just trying to get rid of, and we just like scrawled from Justin to Kane on it in like uh sharpie.
0: With like uh, no, with like tie dye markers. Yeah, yeah. So if you want that, it's free. Yes, it's free merch. If
1: you if you watch the movies along with us, you know, God have mercy on your soul. I guess, <laughs> but you are feel free to message us if you. Uh, discovered a connection between the two films that we didn't get.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like if there's one we missed with the two films that we just talked about, like feel free to tell us that we did a bad job.
1: Or if you caught one that didn't actually happen, if there was one, there there was one fake one that we.
0: we yeah, mentioned. if 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 we fibbed,
1: tell us about it. Yeah, see if you can catch the one. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening. I've been Mike Robertson, and I've been Bob Larue, and this has been from Justin to Kane. Kane. Bye. No, no, no.